Yes. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we are just two days away from retreat. So excited, so excited. Um, and uh, really, really grateful that we can have this time together to uh, prepare and pray. Okay, so we're continuing on in our reading in uh, Colossians chapter 2. And I'll read a handful of verses. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then... Just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in the baptism which you were also raised with him. To your faith in working of God, who raised him from the dead. I want to go down to verse 16. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ Jesus. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments, and sinews grow as God causes it to grow. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks um, about this idea of believers, when we get saved, by grace, no merit, not by anything we do. It's a gift. It's free. And we... we subscribe and we pray and we commit ourselves to the Lord, right? And so we believe uh, Apostles' Creed, we, we accept him as Lord and Savior, that our spirit, you know, uh, a Holy Spirit is a seal in us, a promise for redemption, you know, on the final day. Amen? We're all in agreement with that. Uh, and then I said, I, a quote from uh, Charles Kraft, uh, many people are saved, get saved eternally, but are not living free. They're still living in bondage. So you can actually, your soul can be saved simply by a profession of faith, right? No merit of our own by the grace of God. Agree? But at the same time, we know a lot of Christians who still live in sin. 
Is that fair? Right? They're still in bondage. They're still prisoners. Their soul is saved. So one foot in, in the kingdom, one foot in the world, right? You know, it's a terrible idea, the thought, the thought that someone would be saved and one day die and go to heaven, but that his or her whole life on earth is a living hell. That's ridiculous, right? So Jesus didn't only come to save our soul, right? But he came, came to give us life and life abundantly. To me, that, that has everything to do with the mind. Like the transformation, the, 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 the conforming of the mind, not to the things of the world, but the things of Christ. And so oftentimes, um, you know, we're, we're pre-programmed and we're grown up before we meet Christ with a certain set of values, how the world works. You know, all of us could write a book, you know, not, not, doesn't mean people read it, but we can all write a book, right, about the things we believe, how, how we process things, the judgments we make. Each of you have a, a set of beliefs on how a home should be run. On, on how work should be done, right? A code of ethics or, or you know, a particular mottos or sayings. Everyone has a set of beliefs. Um, and, and then when you come to Christ, the values and the beliefs of heaven is to overtake our values and beliefs here on earth. And, and so one of the things that I'm, you know, I, I won't touch too much upon it, but to me, when you boil down the gospel, when you boil down the Ten Commandments, when you boil down the Bible and everything, um, and I'd like to expound on it more and, and study on it more, but it really just comes down to, to, to the basic, you know, fabric of life. It's just the value of humans. It's the value of people. Whether you're educated and born in Singapore, whether you're educated and born in the United States, whether you grew up in a third world country, whether, whether you're a domestic helper, whether you're a migrant worker. At the end of the day, when, when you take the gospel and the Bible and, 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 and reduction and boil it down to its basis, its, its most purest form, it's the intrinsic value of humanity, of people. And that is because God is the creator of all creation. God created man and woman, right? God created us in his image. Uh, whether that's uh, uh, the life of a baby, whether that's the life of a, you know, uh, 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 what is it when, when the baby's in the, in the womb? Embryo. Embryo, yeah, right? Uh, whether, whether you're a slave, whether you have rights or no rights, you know, uh, you know, all these things, humanity has, has value in God's sight. You know, the Imago Dei, created in the image of God. And so that, like, when we embody the gospel, when we truly believe who God is and how he is pure love, and then we recognize who we are in the face of that reflection and that truth, then we then start to value people in the same way. It begins to affect the way we do uh, work, you know, industry in the marketplace. It begins to affect the way we treat uh, domestic helpers. It begins to affect the ways, you know, people that don't have privileges or rights. Uh, all these things. Um, and so, um, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the, the basis uh, for how we get saved. And so, a lot of the battles happen in our minds. A lot of the spiritual attacks and battles first attacks our mind. And then if our mind falls, then our actions and our will, you know, succumbs into sin. Um, so Paul, you know, uh, uh, reminds us to protect ourselves against, you know, fine-sounding arguments, right? Uh, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, in a relationship with him, we understand how much he loves us. We begin to experience how much we are loved. 
And in knowing Jesus, we're able to call out things that are not truthful, things that are not of God. Things, you know, I mean, for a period of time in our youth, in the, in the early stages of our faith, maybe, maybe there are a lot of questions. Maybe there's a lot of things we don't understand. But as we grow in personal intimacy and relationship with God, we're, we're able to discern. And so, uh, you know, in other passages in scriptures, you know, the mature believer is the one that can discern what is right and what is wrong. And that person can discern what is right or what is wrong because he or she has come into an intimate relationship with God. So, so there's, there's no more of this like making judgment calls based off of what I feel. Making judgment calls based off of my own personal experiences. We make judgment calls based off of the Spirit, off of what Christ says. Um, I'll give you an example because it's, it's, it's September... It's around this time, and at least once a year, you know, once a year I have a, a sex talk, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, we're going to have a Sanctity of Marriage sermon series coming up, uh, Sanctity of Life, we're going to talk about abortion, uh, the Sanctity of Marriage, we're going to talk about LGBTQ and the agenda and all that. Um, uh, uh, absolute truth versus relativism, we're going we're gonna to talk about all these things, and I, you know, I think these will be very, very engaging, very interesting topics to talk about. Um, but this idea of, of, uh, of, you know, um, a lot of people talk about Pastor Sam, there's so many gray areas in the Bible. Have you guys heard that before? Have you guys heard that phrase? There's, there's the 10 commandments, do this and don't do this. You look all through the new Testament, do this and don't do this. Oh, but Pastor Sam, there's, there's no mention of smoking in the Bible. So that's a gray area. For example, that's, that's one example, right? Um, you know, there's no mention of yoga, so that's a gray area. There's no mention of Halloween, right? The Bible doesn't say Halloween, doesn't say yoga. So these are gray areas, open to interpretation, right? And then it's a free-for-all, you know, whatever you want to believe, based off of whatever you want to believe, is what you believe in practice. Does that make sense, right? Uh, uh, you know, around this time, you know, I, I like to visit this, you know, because October's coming up and Halloween and the question always pops up, there's no gray area. Okay, in, in the scriptures, when it comes to relationship with God, there is no gray. Turn to your neighbor. I know we have, we've never done this in the EMP. Say, there's no gray. There's like, oh, Pastor, I didn't wash, I didn't wash up too, too well this morning. Do I have to? Yeah, there's no gray. There's no gray. Yeah. It's actually white. <laughs> um, and so I'll, I'll explain what that means. Um, in Romans chapter... Uh, 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8, both are referencing the same thing. It talks about meat that has been offered to idols, to false gods. You know, some would say demons. And Paul says for a new believer, someone who maybe originally was practicing this false religion, for a new believer who's very frail in their faith, they struggle with eating this meat because it's been dedicated to an idol or a demon. And if they eat it, they feel like they're partaking in demonic or or you know, idol worship or activity. Does that make sense? Uh, um, some, sometimes it gets a little complicated. I think I, I taught on this many years ago, 15, and, and many people were confused. But over time, I, I kind of uh, refined it, right? And then Paul says, but me in my freedom and my liberty, I know that all things belong to God. God is the creator of all things. And I don't acknowledge, I don't attribute or acknowledge that this idol is anything. It actually has no power. It has no dominion. And so I can actually go to the market because well, they, they would sacrifice the idols Whatever's left over, they would then sell on the market at a discounted rate. And then you get a good deal, take it home, and, and then you eat it. 
and, and you bought it from Mars. And, and what Paul says, he gives thanks for it. This is ultimately God is the one that created it. I don't acknowledge the power or dominion of this thing. It's not even a real God. And so I can give thanks and eat it. And, and that's true. Amen? But then he says, and it's quite, it's quite fascinating. It's quite fascinating. But because of me, in my freedom and liberty, right, in my knowledge, in my freedom and liberty, but if I cause someone to stumble, right, a, a, a new believer or a young believer who, for this person, for them, they don't have the faith to believe that this activity and they partake of it. For them, uh, Paul would actually say in chapter 14, it's, it's quite fascinating, they have, they have uh, uh, moved against their conscience, they have moved against what they actually believe. It's not so much the act that's a sin, but it's, it's the lack of faith in their heart that's a sin. Does that make sense? So it's crazy because one person eats it, it's not a sin. The other person eats it, it's a sin. But it's not about the action, it's about what's going on in the heart. One person actually believes that this is for God and so gives praise. One person believes it's not for God. But then he sees someone who says, oh, wow, look at that person. I guess it's not a sin for that person, even though that person has a conscience and believes that it's not okay. For him to partake of it, he's betrayed what? He's betrayed a personal relationship with the Lord, something that later may come to fruition understanding. But here's what Paul says. Don't, by our liberties and freedoms, cause someone to stumble. Then that to you is a sin. Right? And so there's the law. There's the Ten Commandments. All of us know there's do this and don't do that. When it comes to Halloween, when it comes to yoga, when it comes to Taekwondo, and, and depending on what tradition, what camp, you know, some people will say it's, it's, it's uh, originated or, you know, has demonic origins and things like that. Um, you know, my, here's, here's my two takes on this. And, and this is something that we can apply when it comes to this idea that, that I can do what I want because I'm a believer. But, but that's not true. You're part of a community. You're part of a family. You know, your, your people in the community, in the church, who are younger than you, you know, whether it's our CM, whether it's our youth, whether it's singles, whether it's someone in your workplace, are always looking at you. It's, you know, and, and, and the positions that you hold, whether I'm a pastor or working in the office or, or a house church leader. Um, and so my, my take on Halloween, right, um, here's my take, all right. Going to a Halloween party is no more demonic. There's no, there's no more demonic activity in it than if you were to go to your office Christmas party and say that Jesus was there. So someone hosting a Christmas party, Santa Claus and gifts, and then being like, oh man, this place is filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make any sense. It's completely commercialized. It's completely, purely entertainment. Does that make sense? A Christmas party is no more a spiritual encounter then, you know, it's completely commercialized, then a Halloween party is demonic, right? And so to me, getting candy, getting dressed up for fun, I don't attribute a, a, a demonic activity to that. Um, to me, my take on yoga, okay, you know, some guru 50 years ago or 200 years ago, shoot, maybe even 500 years ago, comes up with some pose and says this is the pose of, you know, the 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 bare mountain or something, right? And attributes the body and the soul and the mind to that, and so therefore it's demonic. Well, my, my take on that is God created the body and the mind and the soul before whoever this person was that came up with that pose and labeled it. So the idea here is things can be redeemed. Is it, is it redeemable? You know, someone claimed it, you know, attributed it to, to some, something not pleasing to God, but can you then take that and make it redeemable and, and, and glorify it for God? Um... 
And so, so as individual believers, we have the right and the privilege to say things like, you know, I don't attribute, I don't acknowledge, therefore, uh, uh, you know, I have the freedom to partake. Um, and so those are my takes. That's my take on yoga. That's my take, you know, some people say Taekwondo is demonic, right, because there's certain positions and forms that have been attributed. Well, to that, I, I can take Taekwondo. I can go to, into a yoga class, put on worship music, right, sit down, and I can give praise, and I can do poses and, and, and rededicate it to God. Does that make sense? You can rededicate something to God and do it for God. But that, that, can, be a bit of a, that can be a bit tricky. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you can abuse that. You can then go to a club at 3 a.m. and hook up with someone and, do, and be like, yeah, I'm going to redeem this. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? I mean, some things are so obvious. So for the mature believer, for the mature believer, there are certain privileges and rights that you can engage in, you know, because of your faith. Okay. Are we all on the same page on that? It makes sense. Right? Christmas party, not a, not a spiritual encounter with God. Do you agree? Right? Nor is a Halloween party a demonic worship of the devil. Agree? Okay, but if, if a Halloween party has pentagrams and, and, and blood, like real blood on the wall, okay? I mean, use your brain. All right? A Halloween party with, like, pumpkins and candy, not a big deal. But if it's actually attributed to the devil or Satan... Yeah, forget about it. That's 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 not even he's not they're not even trying to pretend like it's something else. It's actually an event centered and focused on demonic activity. Does that make sense? Right? Okay, now here's the last part, and then and then we'll wrap up and I'll, and I'll give you some application. Um and I and I mentioned to you guys earlier, there's no gray. Right? Oh, but peace hand, didn't you just say like if, if I have faith to believe it's not a sin that I can engage, but then for isn't that kind of a choose your own gray? No, there's 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 no gray. Um, there's a big butt. There's a huge butt. Okay, big butt. <laughs> Sounds funny, but yeah. Um, there's the law, the higher law. Okay, right? There's a law. There's a higher law. Okay, we're, we're talking all here. We're talking. You know, we're all have our thinking caps on. We're all breaking down theology. Oh, P. Sam, you made a pretty good argument. Okay, there's there's the law. There's the Ten Commandments. There's black and white, and then there's of course a higher law. Do you guys know what the higher law is? There's a law that's higher than the law of Ten Commandments or the law of black and white. You guys know what that is? Take a guess. Right? What's, the, what's, what's, higher, what's a higher law than the Ten Commandments? What's a higher, higher law than the Levitical Codes? What's a higher law than you have the freedom and preferences? Yeah, the law of love. Right? The law of love is higher than everything I just said. And the law of love says this. The law of love says this. We are sinners. We have fallen short. We 100% deserve judgment and separation. I mean, that's as clear as day. There's, there's non-negotiable. There's no argument. There's no argument. We sin. We're separated. Our rightful place is separation, judgment, condemnation. That's actually right. That's actually fair. So a lot of times, and, and, and you know, I've had the privilege of, individually walking people through and bringing them to faith. Uh, 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 I don't know how, only by the grace of God. I mean, these are people whose minds are so brilliant. I, I, I don't, I'm not even anywhere in that ballpark. But one of the things I say is, one, one, of, one of the big questions is, God is not fair. I, I don't understand how God thinks, how he works. He's not fair. How can, how can 
a child be born with this disease? How can there be death? How can there be floods? And da da da. You know, how, how, how does why does God get to choose that this person goes to heaven and God gets to choose this person goes to hell? A, a lot of people can't wrap their heads around the, the simple fact that that God is good. To them, God is is partial, and so they struggle with that. A lot of you know people who think think about you know these things through. You know, a lot of us, it, no matter what, it's going to require faith. Um, but a lot of people they're 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 hung up on this. And one of the things I say is, no, you don't, you don't get it. God's not choosing, like, these people get to go, these people. Actually, everyone should go to hell. Every person created from after Adam up until this point, actually, you're not, you don't get the big picture. The big picture is everyone has judgment. Everyone should go to hell. Not a single person should go to heaven. That's the reality. But by God's grace... God incarnate, he himself came. And those that would choose to believe have the opportunity. So the reality is the right judgment, the right call, because God is holy and pure and, and we're separate. Actually, all human, your brother, your sister, your cousin, my kids, my grandkids, everyone's separated. But by the grace of God, for those who believe, they can be saved. That's, that's grace. That's, that's, that's love. And so the higher love, the, higher, the, the law of love says this. There's, there's a law and then there's the law of love. What, what's black and white is that you and I are all in eternal damnation separation. But the higher law, the law of love is that God came down, sacrificed and died. And therefore, by his grace, he, he allows us to believe and then come into faith. So if you take the higher law of love, the higher law of love, of love is this. It's basically, I'll give up my rights. That's what God does. That's, that's the gospel. God gave up his rights. God, in, in an argument with humanity, God's the winner. And we're the loser. But then he submits himself and takes our sin and our punishment upon himself so that we could then be free. Does that make sense? He sacrificed his position, his privilege, his preferences, his rights. That's the law of love. That's the gospel. Same thing Paul reminds us to do. In all these things I just mentioned, whether it's yoga, whether it's Halloween, whether it's, uh, you know, engaging in certain activities, um, there's no gray. Uh, 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 for example, uh, I'll go back to the smoking thing. The Bible's very clear. The Bible's very crystal clear. Your body is a temple, and with it you worship God. And how you take care of yourself, physically or emotionally, right, is all a testament to this fact that we're, we're vessels of the living God. So if you think of it in that way, it's ridiculous. The body is a temple, a gift from God. I must use it to glorify God. I must not abuse it. I must not neglect it. Does that make sense? So in, in my, when you look at it in that sense, there's no gray. You have to take care of your body. Uh, most take, you know. And so cigarette or smoking or, or a, I mean, drunking is clear. Uh, uh, getting drunk is clear. The Bible says don't get drunk, right? But when it comes to smoking, where, where does it say don't smoke? Yeah, but the Bible, the Bible says body is a temple. And so on that principle, there's no gray. And so in the same thing, even though it doesn't mention yoga, Halloween, all these things, but the principle, the, the law of love, all these things. And so even though I believe there's actually, I can go to a Halloween party or hang out and do trick-or-treating, I actually won't engage in it. Not because I think it's a sin, but because I think I might, it might be a stumbling block to others. There might be someone in the church who struggles with it, who thinks, I, I, I know a lot of people who think that it's any type of activity in Halloween is completely demonic. So me in my position as a leader you know, as a pastor, if I were to post photos and, and I have absolute freedom and conviction that it's not, not a sin to, for my kids to go to someone's house, knock on the door and ask for some candy, you know, instead of saying trick or treat, say God bless you, you know, 
dress like Moses or whatever. It's the same thing, right? I mean, you, you, you play it out. But if someone sees a post of mine, right, and as a result thinks, oh, how can Pastor Sam came in? Yeah, the law of love. For that reason, I won't engage. Do you guys see that? Not because it's a sin in my book, but because I might cause someone to sin. And so a lot, a lot of the things, um, you know, uh, uh, I think sometimes people forget is that we're part of a community. You know, whether that's dating, um, uh, whether that's how we raise our children, how we spend our money, you know, how, 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 you know all these things. And so um, I think God sort of sets the standards. Um, we are not a slave to perception. That's, that's the other argument that's always made. So, so everything I do I have to live for the approval of men and women. No, it's, we don't go to that extreme either. There's, there's, there's grace and flexibility. Um, but I think in positions of leadership, you know, as we grow and mature, I think we begin to get to this place where some of the things that we thought were so important, preferences of ours that were sort of defined us at a certain stage in life, they, they're, they're not as important. Um, you know, when we come to experience and realize, you know, uh, um, you know, the riches and the blessings that we have in Christ. When we come to experience the riches and the blessings in knowing Christ and being in intimate relationship with Him, a lot of these things um, begin to lose its kind of weight and value. Uh, in all things this week, in all things today, in all things in your workplace or some decisions coming up, um, you know, you're free. God, God has given you a free will. You have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. There's the black and white, the do's and don'ts. And then there's the freedom to live in what I call this law of love or, or the gospel. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. In verse 17, it says, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. A shadow of the things. Reality, however, is found in Christ. And so this morning, I just want to invite you. Right? We, we spend a lot of time, honestly, myself included, huffing and puffing about our preferences, our, our rights, what we're entitled to, you know, how things should be. This, PCM, this is just how it should be. And why isn't it like this? You know, God, why won't you? Or why haven't you? You know, there, there's so many... Yeah, I'll call them demands. You know, I'll call them demands. You know, someone, someone said it this way. Is your, is your prayer list... Is your, is your prayer list look like, a, you know, two governments and, like, yours is like a list of non-negotiable terms? <laughs> You know, these are the terms and conditions. And if you do these things, you know, what, what is so weighty, so meaty about the things you need that if you don't get them, that somehow that translates into God is not for you? Somehow, somehow, in, in the, in, in the, in the, calculus of how your mind works.
what are the things that are so heavy for you right now? Like so heavy on your mind? And ask yourself this question, why does this particular one or two things, why does it have such an impact? Who, like, how does this determine how I feel about God? Cannot. Should not. Should be the other way around. Your faith in God your belief in his love for you should impact the problems and the way you see your struggles. Your struggles and the things that you are that are heavy on your heart should not be the lens by which you look at God. You've somewhere down the line you've 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 flipped it. It's the other way around. And so, Lord, we just come to you this morning. Lord, you know what it is. We, even, we may not know what it is, but there's been something that's been consuming us. There's been something that's been weighing heavy on our thoughts, the, the thoughts that have been eating at us or keeping us up late at night. And Lord, we just want to commit that before you now. Lord, our future, our, our, you know, the next 10 years, our, our, our relationships, our health, you know, our, our jobs. God, we want to commit these things to you. Lay them down at your feet. Lord Jesus, would you cut the shackles, the bondage, the weight. Lord, it's, it's, it's not from you. It's not okay. Lord, we don't want to live this way anymore. It, it, doesn't have, it should not have that type of influence. It should not have that kind of weight. I don't give it that authority. I, I, I don't acknowledge this idol. I don't believe it has that kind of power. I reject it. Christ alone, you alone, Jesus, have the right to to input into my value system. You alone have the right to tell me how I feel about myself. And that's it. And so Jesus, we just come. Lord, help us to remember and be reminded, Lord, that we are free in you, God, that there are no shackles, Lord God, that you can break every chain. Jesus, we also are, are now free to love you and to serve you. God, we, we are free to love our neighbors, free to love our church and our brothers and sisters, Lord. God, we pray that we would act, all of us, in, in the higher law of love, which means just like you, Jesus, we're willing to give up certain basic rights. No one is arguing your value. No one is saying that you don't have these rights. You are valued in God's sight. You have these rights. They're God-given. Okay, well, now knowing that, thank you, God. Thank you. Now that I know who I am, I'm now able and willing to lay down these rights for the sake and ability of loving others. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Whether we're locked in horns in an argument with a friend or a family member, and we're just kind of in a stalemate, I know who I am. I know I'm loved. I know that I am right in your sight because of what you have done. But I also know what you did, Jesus, and you went to the cross. And you gave up your right, your position, your, your, your privilege, your preferences, so that I would know that I have those same rights. And then we begin to operate in freedom. We begin to operate in love, not out of having to prove ourselves to ourselves or having to prove ourselves to others. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, even now I can see like scales kind of lifting and falling. Yeah, that's right, Pastor Sam. That's, that's the gospel. Man, I'm free in Christ. 
I'm free to love. I'm not bound or restricted. Man, I'm, I'm, it feels so good. Thank you, Jesus. You have set me free. You have set me free. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we respond and just give